Well, this morning, uh, we want to take, uh, take a look at, wow, to be honest, Christmas is such a huge uh, thing, and there's so many angles you can come at, to, to be honest. It was like, it should be the easiest thing to speak on. I found it this week the hardest thing to kind of nail down one sort of angle sort of to come from, because we talk about it uh, as that sort of multifaceted diamond that, you know, there's so many different ways you can take a look at things. But, uh, and actually, Aaron nailed it sort of this morning when he shared that from Philippians chapter 2, and one aspect of Christmas that's just amazing, we just want to take briefly a look at this morning, it's just the magnitude of understanding that God, who created everything, actually came as a man here on planet Earth. And the Bible, uh, you know, talks about that, and we're going to take a look at that this morning. We sung about it, it was in uh, the lyrics to our very first uh, Carol here this morning on Hark the Herald Angels Sing, and we're going to talk about this morning about really the incarnation, and which is a Latin word for made flesh. That Jesus came as a physical person here on planet Earth, and those are some of the things we want to take a look at. And it's really key. And sometimes at Christmas time, and uh, both as a Christian, maybe you're wanting to learn more about Christianity. At Christmas time, sometimes we get we can sing everything so much that we kind of miss out on actually what are we singing about. And I find this is one of those things, because if you don't understand really the incarnation and Jesus coming fully God, fully human, then the rest of the story doesn't make sense. Okay, so if you're going to talk about, as we talk about Easter, you're going to talk about Jesus' perfect life lived on earth, if you're going to talk about the atonement, if you're going to talk about the resurrection, all these different things, if you don't get at the beginning right, then the rest of it quickly falls apart. And then throughout history, two things have happened, and it happens today as well, that people sort of end up on two extremes. One is this. One believe that Jesus is God, but he didn't actually come in the flesh. So they've kind of, Jesus came as spirit, but only as more as a ghost, not as an actual person. And there's a lot of, if you believe that, there's a lot of things that fall away quite quickly for the rest of the Bible. Or the other extreme is Jesus came as a man, and so he was fully human, but he wasn't actually God. Okay, so those are the two extremes you can go on, is that Jesus was spirit, that he was God, but he wasn't actually in human form. Or the other extreme is Jesus was human. Yeah, he lived here in history, but he wasn't really God. And this morning, we just want to take a look at, from God's word, how actually, no, Jesus, and it's a great mystery, was fully God, fully human. And I've been reading uh, J.I. Packer's book, Knowing God. And J.I. Packer says this, a great scholar, theologian. He says, the more you think about it, the more staggering it gets. Nothing in fiction is so fantastic as is the truth of the incarnation. The incarnation is in itself un- an unfathomable mystery, but it makes sense of everything else that the New Testament contains. And so we're going to try to take a look at this this morning. And on Christmas Eve, we're going to take a look at um, sort of more of the traditional reading of the Christmas story from Matthew and Luke. But this morning, we're going to go to John chapter 1, which is actually just as important a uh, step of looking at the Christmas story as well. So let's read from John chapter 1, and we pick it up right in chapter 1, verse 1. And John writes this, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. And all things were made through him, and without him 
was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John, referring to John the Baptist. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, This was of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me, because he was before me. And from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side, has made him known. So let's pray. Let's ask for God's help as we unpack this this morning. And uh, we'll go from there. So Father in heaven, again, we just come before you and we ask for your help here this morning. We thank you for your written word. We thank you for Jesus Christ, the word. And we pray that you would speak to us here this morning. I just ask, Holy Spirit, you'd help me. I just want to be your mouthpiece here today. Would you come and speak truth? to us about who Jesus really is and what all the implications of that great truth are for our lives, for all of history, for the world, for our community around us. Would you come and speak to us? Open our hearts, open our minds. We pray this morning. Would you bring revelation here today as we want to see Jesus exalted? We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Let's take a look at a few things here. Okay. First of all, just... A bit of background just on the book of John. John was one of, obviously, the disciples of Jesus. He walked with Jesus. And the Bible says that he was the disciple that, you know, was probably the closest to Jesus in a friendship. And as we read in Matthew, as we read in Luke, they're more concerned about the circumstances of Jesus' birth. So that's where we get about Bethlehem and we get angels and the shepherds and wise men and all those different things. John's not so much concerned about the circumstances of Jesus' birth. John's more concerned about the identity of Jesus. And that's where he starts. And we read at the end of John, John states the purpose for writing his account. So in John 20, 31, John says this, But these, the writings and the things that are all about Jesus, are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, that's the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. So John writes the whole book. And at the end of his book, he's saying, He's reiterating, this is why I wrote this whole thing, that you actually might know that Jesus is the Messiah. He is the one who was sent from heaven. He is the anointed one. He is the one, the Son of God, that if you believe in him, you're going to have life, both now and forever. And John presents in his gospel that Jesus is the Son of God and that Jesus is God. And in chapter 1, verse 1, John starts with, the word. He doesn't start saying Jesus is the Son of God. He starts by saying Jesus. He starts with this is the word of God. And John uses an interesting phrase at the beginning of chapter 1. He says, in the beginning. And right away, John makes a connection from talking about the word of God back to 
the beginning of the Bible. And if you remember at the beginning of the Bible in Genesis chapter 1, it starts with, in the beginning, God. And so John very purposely makes a connection between in the beginning, God, Genesis 1, which his readers would probably know about, to starting with his gospel good news about Jesus saying the exact same thing. In the beginning was the Word. So there's a big connection between those two things, one that we might not always pick up with, because in the Old Testament, the Word of God, the voice of God, was everything. Okay? Old Testament, people who understood the Old Testament knew this, that God's Word is His creative voice. That when God speaks, there's power there to fulfill what was purposed. And so all the way through the Genesis account, you read things like this. God said, let there be light, and there was light. Okay? There was power when God spoke, that's his creative word, as soon as he spoke, there was power there to accomplish what he wanted to fulfill. So John's putting at the very beginning, the word of God is this, it's God at work. And John uses this statement, and it proceeds before he gets to actually saying about the Son of God. So it's an interesting way to come at someone's identity, when we're trying to identify, Jesus, are you the Son of God? That John starts with saying, Jesus is the Word of God, because he wants to put in a foundation to get to Word of God equals Son of God. And so if you can understand the Word of God, who he is, then you're going to understand the Son. Interesting way to come about it. Now, I just want to briefly just take a look at a few things, because what we're trying to do is we're trying to make sure we understand and that we're clear as Christians who we believe in, what we understand, that we can give a reasonable explanation for our faith. Again, we don't just check our brains at the door. These things, we have a reasonable explanation for our faith in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. That Jesus is unique from all other people who have ever walked on planet Earth. Also, it's a great for those exploring Christianity who maybe want to learn more. Maybe just, hey, it's Christmas time. I'll go to church on Sunday at Christmas. This is a great opportunity for you to learn more about what it is to be a follower of Jesus Christ. We see that Jesus is unlike anyone else. And we're going to establish some truth here this morning from God's word in the book of John about, first of all, Jesus being the word of God that we're going to see in the connection as we read here. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. So we're building a bit of a legal case here that the word of God, as we're going to see, is Jesus, second person of the Trinity, fully God born here on planet earth and we're going to get we're going to make a bit of an argument here so just briefly we're going to start with this in the beginning was the word important to know that establishes the word of god is eternal okay so we see think of jesus sometimes people think of jesus okay born of a woman born on planet earth that's when jesus started that he wasn't he was a created being. So therefore, people think Jesus is just a son of God, not the son of God. And John's very quickly to establish, because that would have been in his day as well. No, the word in the beginning was the word. And if you connect that again to Genesis chapter 1, it establishes we're talking about Jesus' word of God being eternal. He's not a created being. He is the creator, which we're going to see. So it's really important that we understand Jesus The word here is eternal, that he had no beginning of his own, 
he was. Just as God could say, I am, Jesus later on says, I am. Before Abraham, I am. Jesus was always there. And the word was with God. Okay, this brings in the whole personality, the personhood of Jesus Christ. That he's distinct from his father, which we get verses like this leading to this great mystery of the Trinity. But he stands in eternal relationship with his father, that he's a distinct person. That's what we mean by, and the word was with God. Okay? So again, we're kind of like a brief legal thing here to say Jesus is eternal. Jesus is a person, second person in the Godhead of the Trinity, separate from the Father, but in active fellowship with the Father. And the Word was God. It shows, shows his divinity, shows his deity, that Jesus is God. And these things are really important to establish before we get into some of the application of it. That Jesus is eternal. Jesus is a person. Jesus is God. And John's establishing these things right from the beginning. And the Word was with God. Though personally distinct from the Father, He's not a creature. He is divine in Himself as the Father is. And so we get a glimpse into this great mystery that we call the Trinity, the Godhead. Three persons, one God. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Who we were singing to and praising God about this morning and our worship songs. John establishes this next. All things were made through him. Here is the word creating. He was the father's agent in making all things. Therefore, Jesus is the maker and he's not the same as his creation. Another important thing to establish. Eternal. Person. God. Deity. And creating. All things were made through him. God the father used Jesus the son, the word, to create all things. Everything was made through him. So it puts him in a separate place from the creation. Paul, John says this, in him was life. Okay. I was trying to come up with a word because it's in him was life and I was going to say equals life. It's kind of hard to come up with a different word. So I had to go help on this one. Animating, bringing to life. Okay, Not just animation, cartoon animation. Okay, Animate. Jesus is life. Not only does he bring life, he sustains life. Again, it shows that he is God. And John says this, And the life was the light of men. Here he is. Jesus reveals God. We see other places. We read in 1 John, John wrote, God is light. And Jesus is light. That he reveals the Father. And that's one of the greatest things John, through his whole gospel, points out that if you see Jesus, then you see the Father. And John always brings that back. People are, if you remember, before Jesus was about to be crucified, he brought his disciples together. And he brought them together, and he was t- trying to explain to them that he was going to be going. Okay? And his disciples said, if we could just see the Father, that would be enough. And Jesus, I don't know if he's pulling his hair out when he was doing it, but in great compassion said, Hey, if you've seen me, then you've seen and you know the Father. Okay? Jesus reveals. Okay? It's revealing God. So that's just a quick summary. Each one of those, poof, we could do many, many messages on each one of those things. But just 
briefly here this morning. We're just trying to establish again. Jesus, okay, and we have to kind of get beyond cute little baby, wee little baby, as uh, has been explained to us this morning. We have to get beyond because, you know what, to be honest, we can get very sentimental about Christmas and we can miss the whole point of it. Okay, so we want to get beyond just sort of the sentimental things. We have to understand, folks, this is like the biggest thing ever in history. Okay, Jesus coming to earth. And what's the big deal? Well, the big deal is this. As we talk about the incarnation, made flesh. God made flesh. We have to understand that we don't want to avoid those two heresies that Jesus was just spirit and he actually didn't have a body. Okay, because that leads down to a whole bunch of different things. Or the other heresy is Jesus was just a man, but not God. And we have to establish before we can move on just to a few other things that Jesus is God in the flesh. And John does it by saying, he talks about the word of God first. The word of God, all these things, was with God. Sorry, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. All things were made through him. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. And then, he now makes the connection is, if you know who the word of God is, and again, connecting it to the Old Testament, to Genesis chapter 1, then you know who the Son of God is. And so John's establishing the divinity of Jesus, the Son of God. But we also recognize this, Jesus, Son of God, but he's also, another title given to him, all the way through that Jesus referred to himself more of this, as the Son of Man. And this is the connection, is that the Word became flesh. The Word we use, incarnate. I don't know if you caught it or not, but it was right in the very first song we sang, Hark the Herald Angels. And again, we probably, some of us have sung this like a thousand times. But I don't know if you caught it this morning. Veiled in flesh, the Godhead see, hail the incarnate deity. Okay, that's what Mr. Wesley was referring to. Okay? It is a big deal that Jesus is the Son of God, but he's also the Son of Man. The Word became flesh. He dwelt among us, God in the flesh, that the baby in the manger at Bethlehem was none other than the eternal Word of God here on planet Earth. The Word of God, the divine second person of the Godhead, author of all things, yet revealed in the incarnation to be God's Son. The Son of God, the Word of God, is now given a new title, Son of Man. And we see, and again, it's a whole explanation from the Old Testament, of God's presence being with God's people, how he tabernacled with his people. And the whole phrase here, God dwelt among us. It's like Jesus, God saying, in the Old Testament, I had the tent of meeting, the tabernacle, you could literally translate this as Jesus pitched his tent here on planet Earth. That's, that's the equivalent of what we're talking about from Old Testament into New Testament. Old Testament, God the Father revealed himself in many different ways. If you can remember some of them, he revealed himself to Abraham. We're not quite even sure how that looked. He spoke to Abraham. He walked with Abraham. Most of the time, we remember how God revealed himself to Moses in the Old Testament, burning bush, Yahweh, the great I am. He appeared to them as he brought the people out of Egypt in a pillar of fire. 
and a cloud during the day. We get to Mount Sinai, thunder, lightning, smoke, the whole thing, earthquakes. People were so afraid, they sent Moses. You can be our representative. Moses, you go meet with God. We're going to stay over here. We see the tent of meeting. God went and dwelt in the tabernacle, in the tent of meeting that they actually picked up and walked around. And the Bible says, you can read it in Exodus 33. If you want to go meet with God, as Moses and Joshua did, they went outside the camp and they went to the tent of meeting. And then David came along years later and said, what are we doing with a tent? God should have the biggest palace and the biggest place anywhere. And it was in David's heart to build a temple. And God said, well, thanks, David, but I'm going to let your son Solomon do it instead. And Solomon built this temple. And when they dedicated the temple, the presence of God came in such power that the worshipers all fell down. They couldn't even worship anymore. Okay? And there was this holiness and this reverence, the power of God. And if you went, you wanted to meet with God, you went to the temple. You went to a physical in Jerusalem location. And history's forever changed because now God has come in a person. He pitched his tent here on planet Earth, that God dwelt among us. And from that point on, guess what? We're allowed to meet in a university campus. We're allowed to meet in this room because it doesn't have to be dedicated as a temple because now we don't go to a physical location, but Jesus ushered in a whole new thing. Now by his spirit, he now lives in you and I. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit, individually, corporately. And God now dwells in us. Okay? It all started back here. Now the confusing part is this. If the Son of God, okay, who second person of the Trinity, Jesus always was, always is, everything, trying to get our heads wrapped around him being born on planet Earth, did he lose his divinity by coming to planet Earth? And this is a big one, again, that has been right 2,000 years of church history. People have been arguing this one. And uh, this one, in a sense, kind of split the Eastern Orthodox Church and the Western Church along the way. So this is, this is a big one. We kind of fall more on the Western tradition of things, is that really it's more like Jesus, the divine, adding humanity to God. So he didn't lessen his divinity. He added on human flesh that he actually, he who created man, now became man. Okay? It's a hard one to get your head wrapped around. Okay? And Jesus didn't put off all his divine attributes and character. What he did is, in obedience to the Father, he limited it. Okay? And as Aaron read out this morning, he set aside his glory. He limited himself to be obedient to the Father. So when he could have commanded angels to come to defend him, he didn't. He says, I only do what I see my Father doing. I'm here to be obedient to my Father. That's an important one for us to understand. Okay? Fully God, fully human. Okay? He didn't set aside his attributes. He was God on planet Earth. Okay? But he was obedient to the Father. And he limited himself. He humbled himself as a servant to his Father, as Aaron read out this morning from Philippians chapter 2. The whole point of all this is we see that Jesus is unique. 
It's like no other person born on planet Earth. Fully God, fully human. And that has major implications for us. We see that Jesus is unique in this way. Is that he was conceived by the Holy Spirit, which we read about in Matthew and Luke. Okay? It's a miracle. Don't fully understand it. It's a miracle. So that means that sinful line that came through Adam, who was first disobedient to God in the garden, that we then have that nature of sin in us. Okay? Jesus was born different from the rest of us. Okay? He was conceived by the Holy Spirit. Yet, he was also born of a woman. So he took on humanity as well. And that's where you can get those two things of Jesus just being spirit or Jesus just being a man, but not really God. Those how easily those things go. But Jesus, fully God, conceived of the Holy Spirit, born different, broke that line of sin. And at the same time, because he was born human flesh, he was able to live a life like you and I, that he had to go through. So Jesus was God, so he did different things. This is what makes me you look at the gospel story. Jesus forgave sins. Okay? And actually, this is what he was crucified for. They said, you claim to be God. That's why we're going to crucify you. Only God can forgive sin. Okay? Because it was sin not even against him. It was other people's issues. Jesus forgave sin. He was unique because he is the son of God. But also, Jesus, we see, got tired. Jesus got hungry. Jesus wept. We see that Jesus is son of man as well. He's unique in every single way. We also see this, that Jesus, because he was the son of man, is our elder brother, tempted, but knew no sin. Again, this is an incredible one for us to understand. Because sometimes we think, well, Jesus was God, so therefore he was like Superman, and he never uh, got tempted, and he was such, you know, he was just Mr. Teflon, everything bounced off him, and you know, well, we can't be like him because Jesus was so unique, we can't be like him. Okay? But in his humanity, okay, the devil had to go at him as well. Okay? He was tempted, yet he knew no sin. And the devil did the same thing, tried to do the same thing to Jesus that he did to Adam and Eve. He twisted God's word. He actually quoted scripture to Jesus, trying to twist its meaning. And Jesus always came back, it is written. We read this in Hebrews. Some of my favorite verses, because it's so helpful to us. I'm going to read out two from Hebrews, as the author of Hebrews makes this connection about Jesus being fully God, fully human. Jesus said this. Or the, sorry, the author of Hebrews says this about Jesus. So since the children have flesh and blood, he too, that's Jesus, shared in their humanity, so that by his death he might destroy him, who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by the fear of death. For surely it is not angels he helps, but Abraham's descendants, flesh and blood, not just angels. For this reason, he had to be made like his brothers in every way in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God, that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. Because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. So that's Hebrews two fourteen to 18. And then just turning over, the author says this, chapter 4, verse 14. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has gone through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, 
just as we are, yet was without sin. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. That just sums up really Daryl's prayer here this morning, that he already prayed that out. Folks, that's good news for us. That Jesus, who is Son of God, okay, who, eternal, also human, learned to be obedient to his Father, that great mystery, but he's also now able to sympathize with us. So he who knew no sin, yet he took on our sin at the cross. So Bethlehem's just the start of a journey that takes us to Calvary. He took on sin for us, the innocent for the guilty. He suffered, died, as it was already said. He was murdered on our behalf. But by the power of God, raised from the dead, ascended back to heaven, sent his Holy Spirit. Now he rules and reigns in heaven. And now he's our great high priest. He prays and intercedes for us. And the good news is this. When you're tempted, you don't have a high priest who's praying for you that can't sympathize. We have one who is able to understand and pleads for our behalf. Okay? That should encourage you here this morning. Because Jesus was here as a man. Okay? These are the important truths. At Christmas time, we have to make sure we understand that Jesus, Son of God, Son of Man, and we don't want to be sentimental and miss the great truths of what Christmas is all about. We have a great Savior who we can know. Not only was Jesus here in history, he's alive today, and we can know Jesus. What he did 2,000 years ago at Calvary, okay, because he's alive today, we have a great Savior who lives to save us. He's provided a way. He lives to intercede for us. He lives in us by now his Holy Spirit, and we get to know Jesus. Not only just reading about him as a, sort of someone in history, but who's alive today, that we can know our great Savior. Hallelujah. Christmas is about Jesus coming. But again, it's a focal point that then you have to know the rest of the story. It leads to Easter, which leads to Pentecost, which leads to today. That we can know this great and awesome Savior. We can actually know the God of the universe, made man, understands us. We can know him. And the good news as well, and it's a reminder to us today as we finish up, is that we now as the church are Jesus into the world. That in a sense, in a different way, we as a church are the incarnation of Jesus today. We, and we say it all the time, are the hands and feet of Jesus, that we too, as Jesus prayed in John 17, he's sending us into the world, not that we're like the world, but we're actually in the world, just as Jesus came into this world. That Jesus came into hostile territory, the perfect Son of God, leaving all the angels worship in heaven to be born here, to live here, because he was obedient to his Father. It's a reminder to us as Christians that Jesus said, as the Father has sent me, so I'm sending you. So we need to have a different perspective in our everyday sort of mundane life that Gary prayed out 
But you know what? Wherever we go, if you're a Christian here this morning, you're being sent by Jesus to be Jesus here on planet Earth today, both individually and us corporately as well, and all that we say and do. It's a great reminder for us to have a different perspective as we think about Christmas, not only sort of from everything, maybe that how it applies to us, but actually that application then goes out and it affects our everyday life with the people we live with. That we are, in a sense, in hostile territory in a world that either disregards God or dishonors God or disobeys God. We are the hands and feet of Jesus. That he's sending us just as he came into the world. And in a sense, because we have his Holy Spirit in us, and we're in Christ, we represent both the Son of God and the Son of Man because we're in our own humanity still. So Christmas, we have to understand the magnitude of what's taken place on planet Earth 2,000 years ago that we celebrate at this time. And I think where the great thing is, with church, we get to celebrate it every Sunday of the year, every day of the year. So for us, Christmas and Easter are almost every Sunday. (laughs) We want to point out some of these great truths that we can sometimes forget about Jesus. Jesus, the Word of God, the Son of God. John establishes the divinity of Jesus Christ as the Son of God, not just a Son of God, the Son of God, the one and only Son of God. But he also establishes this, that Jesus is the Son of Man. He was born of a woman, that he became flesh here on planet Earth. And because of those two great truths, that leads us to what took place on the cross, that Jesus, who was God, lived the perfect life, was innocent. He was the one who could pay the price for our sins. Because he was human, he physically died on the cross. And in that weird way, his death defeated death. As God raised him from the dead, now he's ascended to heaven. Okay? Back in relationship in heaven. And one day, the Bible says that Jesus is coming again. And just to close, I had this picture just as we were in worship. Again, Jesus just saying to us as a church, to everyone. Okay? I'm just going to speak this out as if Jesus was speaking to us. Jesus would say to us here this morning, do not forget that I am not only the Lamb of God, but I am the Lion. That I'm the Lamb. You think about baby Jesus, born in a stable, humble, meek, mild, Lamb of God. Jesus, before his persecutors, as a lamb before his shears, silence, didn't say a word, followed, obedient, perfect, spotless lamb. But Jesus would say this morning, I'm also the line of Judah. And I'm also the one who defeated sin and death. I have destroyed the works of Satan. I am alive today. I'm living, active, moving, saving, interceding, redeeming, restoring, healing, delivering, ruling, reigning. Jesus Christ, Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, but the line of Judah who is alive and ever extending his kingdom. And Jesus says to us this morning, I'm coming again. I'm going to come with sword in my hand. I'm coming on the white horse. I'm coming to bring about my Father's kingdom. 
Jesus, we pray this morning by your spirit that you come and bring us, again, great revelation to understand, comprehend, Lord, to grasp, but Lord, to be transformed by these great truths that Jesus, you are the Son of God, Son of Man, that you are the second person of the Trinity, made flesh and dwelt among us, now at the right hand of the Father, our great high priest interceding for us. Would you come and bring these great truths of being the Lamb of God, sacrificed our atonement, our propitiation, taking away the wrath of God, paying the full price, but also knowing that you're alive today, that you're the Lion of Judah, alive, working, ruling, reigning, interceding, and one day returning in great power and glory for to ever rule and reign. Jesus, we pray by your spirit, through your word, would you reveal, would you transform us, would you conform us to yourself, we pray in your mighty name. Amen. Amen.